Our body is an intricate mechanism that works well when each part works in relationship to each other and in cohesion. If the heart fails, the body dies. If the arms don't work, it's hard to reach out to somebody. Modern science does provide prosthetics and artificial substitutes, but they are just that, substitutes. Similarly in relationships, we substitute a how are you instead of really caring about how the other person is doing. Our prosthetic outreach is a very poor substitute for a genuine concern and a real relationship. At what point does this work become more important than the actual person? If you don't really care for six of the commandments, are you really following the first four? Steve Camp sang it best, don't tell them Jesus loves them unless you're willing to love them too. Without that true relationship, without God and others, we're just weapons of mass dysfunction in Satan's arsenal. I'm Micah Mueller, and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome back to an interesting study as we continue to go into the study of the book of 1 Thessalonians. Today we're going to be studying chapter 2 and 3 and it's all about community. And we have a great group of guests here. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about maybe the first friend that you connected with. All right. My name is Anne-Claire Ballet. I am originally from France and I grew up there until the age of 10. So my first best friend was when I was three. We had just moved to our new church where my dad was a pastor. And I entered the church and I was looking for all the kids. Where were the kids? And then I saw this tall girl and I thought, oh, wow, she's tall. Whoa. And I was so tiny and I still <laughs> am today. But I thought, wow, that would be so cool. I'm sure she's older. But then it ended up she was just one year older than me. And we got along so well together and spent all our Sabbath afternoon playing together. When we grew older, we were Pathfinders together. And it was just a wonderful experience. Fantastic. My name is Autumn Osterman, and my first best friend I met the day I came into the world, which was my mm. older sister. Do and you remember that? I, I, no, of course <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> but it's a good thought anyways. She does remember that. <laughs> I'm sure, maybe, I don't know. But um, yeah, and it was one of those, those things where, I mean, for the most part, we always got along. The few times we didn't, my mom would make us hug and kiss each other, and I didn't like that very much. <laughs> so we got along well. But it's nice because she's a friend that stays with me the rest of my life. That is really great. My name is Sarah Olikowski. I'm from Hinsdale, Illinois. Um, my first best friend was uh, my neighbor. She lived two doors down, and she saw my sisters and I playing on our swing set and came over and watched, and then she played with us, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> Long history, hopefully. <laughs> we haven't talked in years, but it was a good oh. friendship on last. I had to move away. So. Yeah, that moving. She's a good friend. <laughs> That's what happened to my first friend. Uh, I moved away. Oh. Uh, my first friend was about this big and yellow, a big teddy bear. Oh. Oh, it was yellow. I've never seen a yellow bear, but uh, when we moved to America, my mom decided that when we'd get back, he, I'd be too old, and so... 
we brought him mm. to a flea market and I had to say goodbye. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> well, we're going to study about community and living community, a live community, not just a, a stuffed animal. Mm. And as we get, enter this, let's have a word of prayer and uh, read our scripture passage. Would you do that for us? Definitely. Our key verse for today is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Let's pray in French. Seigneur notre Dieu, merci pour ce privilège de pouvoir apprendre davantage euh, à propos de, de nos amis, des personnes que tu as créées autour de nous, de cette communauté de frères et sœurs que nous avons, d'amis, de parents, de familles. C'est tellement important euh, de ne pas se sentir seul. Et quand nous avons une relation personnelle avec toi et avec les autres, notre vie euh, a un tout nouveau sens. Merci Seigneur pour ce privilège et pour cette opportunité. Aide-nous à être meilleurs amis avec toi et avec les autres. Nous t'en prions au nom de Jésus. Amen. Amen. Why do we need relationship? Where do we see relationship in life? Is it really that necessary? I think a lot of scientific studies have been done to actually answer that very question. Is love and relationship necessary? And I think of one study specifically that was done by a psychologist. And he wanted to study if this affected not just in the animal kingdom, but does that, is it similar in, in the real world with, with humans? So he did this study with baby monkeys. And so he took the baby monkeys and he took them away from his, their mommies, hopefully not permanently. <laughs> but he put them into two separate groups. And in one group, he gave them a wire mommy that had a monkey face. I guess it kind of looked like a monkey. And then in the other group, he gave them a, a, a cloth, very soft and fuzzy surrogate mommy. And both mommies were equipped with bottles so the babies could eat. And the babies never liked the wire monkey. They always went to the warm, fuzzy monkey. And this monkey had a, um, a lamp inside of it so it was warm and it was soft and all the babies really liked that. And so then they thought, well, maybe, you know, food is a factor. So they took the food away from the soft monkey and the babies didn't care. Like they still wanted that warm, fuzzy mommy. And so the psychologists realized that it wasn't a matter of them getting their necessities, um, you know, fed and that's why they wanted it. But they liked the comfort and the warmth of having that, that mommy with them. Mm -hmm. And so then they put the, the, the baby monkeys into scary or new environments and they would always run to their surrogate warm fuzzy monkey and um, and then once they you know got accustomed then they could you know explore around and they were okay but they were scared when they were even with the, the wire monkey so the psychologist realized that there's there's this sense of you need that fellowship, you need that warmth and that comfort, and it goes beyond just a necessity of food. But there's there's something deeper that I think goes from not just the animal kingdom, but for humans too, that we long for fellowship, we long for support and love and comfort that come from other people. That's interesting because I've heard um, studies presented about longevity and um, what factors make people live longer lives and what takes years off their lives. Mm -hmm. And it was found that having close relationships is just as much of a factor as exercise or smoking or getting enough sleep or eating well. And that was so amazing to me because it, we don't think of it as a physiological thing, like I want to be with this person, but it's mm -hmm. 
just as important as exercise, and that was incredible. Mm -hmm. I come from, I, I love road biking. Mm. And so you're out on the road and you're biking, and there's something about community, not just the real thing about riding and having fun with friends, but actually this whole idea of drafting. In road biking, the key thing is to get as close to the back tire of the, the person in front of you, so mm -hmm. that you save the energy, much like the geese that fly overhead and they draft off of each other and they don't have to work as hard. And you can actually go so much faster. It's incredible. If you just watch your, hmm. your speedometer, you can go four or five miles sometimes faster by wow. just switching off the first person and just drafting. It's community, it's people together. And so when you have big races, even opponents will work together because they wouldn't win against the big pack. Um, so you have to work with your opponent to win. It's kind of a weird thing <laughs> because it's community. I think community is such a part and it's even a part of the Christian life and the community that we live in. And Paul has some things to, to say about that. What does Paul have to say in, in 1 Corinthians 2 and 3 about community, especially he talks about that in, in verses 9 and 10 of 1 Corinthians 3. Well, he definitely says that we are the body of Christ and uh, we all have we all have a specific function as members. Uh, I know in Ephesians also mentions it, how in a church, for example, um, there is different functions because if there were only the pastor, then he couldn't do it by himself and if there were only the elders or the people taking care of the children. Um, so I believe that God created the church for us to um, be an active part and to live our faith actively. You know, it's interesting because um, God created community, definitely. As the Bible says, Genesis 2 says it, it's not good for man to be alone. Mm -hmm. And not only so that he can have a wife or the, wife or the woman can have a husband or a family, but living our faith alone by ourselves is much harder than living yeah. it with people who support you and who uh, say, hey, I can relate to that struggle you have in your life, in your faith. I also have that same one. Let's pray together. Mm -hmm. That is so much more powerful mm -hmm. to be surrounded with people who really share the same faith and who are ready to support you and help you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think of um, in First Thessalonians 3, uh, 9 and 10, it says, For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. And the thing that astounds me about this is that other people's joy means so much to them. Like, that is what he's striving for, and it makes me wonder, like, how, how often or how set am I on making sure that other people are happy? Mm. How concerned am I with their well-being and their salvation? And mm. it's um, very humbling to me because we just wake up in the morning, like, what do I need to do to go about my day? How am I going to be successful in school? Mm. How am I going to make it to this finish line? And we tend to forget about other people along the way. and. So that's why I love this, and I think of when Moses asked to be blotted out of the book of life if the children of Israel couldn't be saved, and Jesus dying on the cross for us, and in Romans 10:1 saying that his heart's desire for Israel would, that, would be that they would be saved, and I'm like, whoa, that makes me take a step back and consider how conscious I am of wanting the best for other people. 
I like that, and I think you just hit it on the head of, you know, like what Paul was saying here, of night and day he's praying for these people. Yeah. You know, this is something that he has taken so much to heart. Uh, these people are are so precious to him that he loves them with, with a love that goes beyond just a, a friendship. But like you said, their salvation, because this is a person whose eternity is weighing in the balance, and he doesn't just want their friendship here on earth. He wants their friendship for eternity. And so for, for that goal in mind, he's just mm -hmm. going to labor and he's going to work with these people. I find it, I had one of my teachers uh, once say, the assignments that you're going to get are all going to be based and you're going to be graded on group activity. Mm. And I hate that. <laughs> I, I honestly hate that because I do well studying in a little cubicle somewhere in the mm. library. That's just fine. But he said, you know, you will not be judged. Your quality of work will not be judged by what you do, but what you do together with others. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that kind of stuck. I hated it. I got a bad grade in the class <laughs> because all the others didn't do their job. And that was, but it was a learning experience for me that it's life, maybe my grades in school are just about me. Mm. But life is not just about me. Mm. Nobody works by themselves. It's always working with others together. Mm -hmm. And that's what eventually counts. Mm -hmm. How do you see this prayer being important to, uh, to Paul's life um, and to the life of the community? He talks so much about, about prayer in this passage. How do you see that being, being important, the, the prayer aspect of this? I think that prayer um, is intended to be a, an unselfish thing and a lot of times we make it like a Christmas list mm -hmm. or I want this, I want this, thank you for this, thank you for this, amen. But really, like when I think about the number of times where I have been on my knees and like cried because of somebody else's pain mm -hmm. or have like begged and pleaded for somebody's salvation, that is humbling and that changes you and it changes your mindset and even if you don't care as much when you begin, by the time you're done with that, you're different and you do care. And I see that a lot in Paul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think that um, way too often, as you said, Sarah, our prayers are way too selfish and we, we pray for what we want. But when we start praying for others and for their needs, or for example, uh, I've taken the habit lately to have a journal and if somebody mm -hmm. asks me, you know, Angela, please pray, I have a test tomorrow, or my mother is having some health problems, Honestly, what I used to do, I said, okay, yeah, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you. But then what do you do? I forgot, you know, yeah. I, I tend to forget. And so mm -hmm. I like, God, please help me find a way. How can I remember? And so I started writing it down. And this is, the, and then I go through the list and I say, hey, I'm actually, I know for how many people mm -hmm. I, I'm praying. And that gives me the, the, the desire to pray for even more people. And so I try to find opportunities <laughs> to be praying for more people because it's so awesome to know that the things you're praying for yourself, other people also need your prayers for those same things that yeah. they're going through. Yeah. yeah. So you feel, you don't feel alone, you feel surrounded with people. And uh, it's really important. I think this whole concept of prayer, it immediately takes my mind to John 17, how, you mm -hmm. know, Jesus is just about to face the biggest, most important decision, not just for himself, but for all of humanity. But he prays for us, you know, it's mm. that we would be kept unspotted in this world, that we would be able to have victory. And, and I think maybe in praying for us, it gave him more of an incentive to carry on with the work that he knew he had to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, I wonder if for us, 
if we pray for others, it gives us the strength to continue on because our focus is not on us now. It's on another person mm -hmm. and being able to assist them and help them. Yes. And I think Paul had that attitude. We see that all throughout, not just Thessalonians, but throughout his whole other, you know, writings of being that, that you know, lifting a person up before God. I think that's, that's awesome. Um, because Paul really makes that his burden. We don't have a whole lot of prayers in the New Testament. Uh, we have the Lord's Prayer, we have John 17, we have a couple of spotted prayers here and there throughout Acts and all of that. But here we have a pretty lengthy prayer. It's introduced, and, and you read the passage, Sarah, but he says there in verse 12, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love yes. for one another mm -hmm. and for all, just as we abound in love for you. Hmm he makes himself this example of we love you and look at how earnestly we want to be in, in contact with you so you do the same mm -hmm. and you spread that love out and yeah. and that's just such a sincere prayer uh, and you shared some examples of how to do that in a, in mm -hmm. a practical way okay. what can we learn from the situation in first Thessalonians 2 and 3 and maybe some other examples about the importance of community and how Satan tries to destroy that Hmm. Well, since we're in in First Thessalonians, here in chapter two, if we look at verse seventeen to twenty, I was reading and it it's very explicit. It says verse seventeen, Paul. Right now, it's it's about Paul really longing to see his brothers, the Thessalonians, and to reach out to the community. He loves them so much, and he says, "But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, but not in thought." Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. So he's concerned about them. He wants to see them. He loves them. Verse 18, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan stopped us. For what is our hope or joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Mm -hmm. So here we see Satan trying to destroy that relationship that Paul has with the community. But Paul loves them so much. He says, you are our joy. And it really shows how Paul cares for the community and has this deep, I would say, unconditional love that comes from God for those people. And nothing can stop him. Satan, he says that Satan stopped us. But yet, he made every, every effort to try to see them. I think there's a little bit of context in that story as well that he was we know from from the gospel uh, the, from from Luke's account in in Acts that they were they were kicked out of the Thess Thessalonian community mm -hmm. uh, not the religious community not the church there but the city based on some bad uh, things that uh, others said about Paul mm -hmm. and so they were kicked out and it's interesting that Paul doesn't even focus on other people that mm -hmm. kicked him out. Mm -hmm. He just mm -hmm. says, I'm not going to worry about these people. Mm -hmm. They acted on behalf of Satan, but I'm not going to blame them. Mm -hmm. It would be so easily to, mm -hmm. to put in a racial slur, to put in an anti-Semitic yeah. tone or something, and he doesn't. He just says, that's, that's what happened, and, it, and it's okay. But I learned for, le, yearn for this community. I, I want to be connected to you. Yes. I want to be close to you. 
do we find sometimes the same thing happening in our society today of we let personal injury or personal slights be something that mm -hmm. comes between us and someone else you know like I'm not gonna go there because that person hurt me you know and Paul could have said I'm not gonna go to that place because they treated me badly you know like you said he doesn't focus on what other people did he just says in verse 18 Satan hindered us like he, yeah. he puts the blame where the blame is due not mm -hmm. on another person because another person is not our enemy and I think we sometimes think that 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 person hurt me so therefore that they're my enemy well isn't that what the devil wants us to think because mm -hmm. then we're taking our focus off of him and we're putting it on another person mm -hmm. and I think Paul is encouraging us again to to put our, our focus on fostering the friendships and the relationships with others and not view them as our enemies, but as our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And together, we're gonna help each other in our walk. Yes. I think that's some, some amazing things that you're saying there because it's so easy for us to just blame others and just get mm. focused on ourselves again. Yeah. Isn't that what happens? It's he hurt me and I feel <laughs> bad because he did this. And it's just yeah. this internal thing again. Mm. How, we can, how can we get over this? For me, it's, it's a matter of maybe what is our love like? Is our love based on a, a condition of you know, just because if they treat me nice, then I'll treat them nice back? Or can we have an unconditional love to love a person even if they do treat me wrong? And, and thinking of that, that concept of how can we really love unconditionally, I think it's by going to, to the source of, who, of where love is. You know, God is love. And by, by focusing on, on God and spending that time in His Word, we will be changed by beholding you become changed. And Jesus showed the ultimate of what love was, and that was to give His life for someone else. Mm -hmm. and, and I think Sarah brought it out just a little while ago, too, is that the second thing that we can do is focus on other people. You know, mm -hmm. when, we, when we focus on ministering to another person's needs, she was talking about prayer and how when you're praying mm -hmm. for someone else, it really changes you. And that if we can focus on, on ministry, there's probably nothing more than, than ministering to someone else that takes the self out of your own heart because mm -hmm. you're putting your focus on someone else. And so maybe that can give us a little idea of, you know, Paul showed us that example. Can we do the same thing of loving a person unconditionally? I believe that, um, well, I guess my mind has been opened up more. Um, through learning about different personality types. Like that's just fascinating to me anyway, but that has helped me tremendously in appreciating other forms of intelligence and beauty because like we, our school system is set up so that if you're good at spelling, you're good at math, you're good at all of these kinds of things, like you're the smart kid and the other people are dumb. And just learning about that has helped me to see my own weaknesses and it has helped me to see the beauty in other people that I could not really see before and it helps me to appreciate that and I think that sometimes we get um, we believe that our preferences like multiplied by a million is God so oh I like order I like this I like that mm -hmm. that times a million that that's who God is that's who God is. and then somebody different does the same thing and so we have all these different ideas of who God is when really God is all of that. Mm -hmm. God is the combination of all of that. So when we stick to the kinds of people that we feel comfortable around, we are eliminating a huge aspect of who God is and mm -hmm. our mind is only able to see the part of God that we are choosing to see and that's not mm -hmm. fully Him. And so through fellowship with other people, we get to know God. And I think um, our weaknesses, our 
our strengths out of proportion. So somebody may yeah. overreact in certain situations and get really angry, but in the right proportion, that anger can be used as a good thing, like righteous anger, fighting for what is right. And it's manifested in the wrong way sometimes because we are human, but I think we need to very intentionally seek the beauty in what we see in other people. I think that's very important. Can we really love unconditionally? Let me poke you a bit. Can we love as humans? Can we love unconditionally? I guess I would have to say in our own power, no. Mm -hmm. There is no way that I can love a person like Christ loves because everything within my nature goes against that. It's what I want. It's the things that I want to aspire to. But I have to, I have to believe that if Christ is the controlling factor in my life, and if his indwelling is in me and I want to be like Christ, that he will give me that spirit of love. You know, I, I don't always feel like I have it, but I have to trust that God isn't going to be like, too bad, you can't love you know, each other unconditionally because you know, it's not in your nature. Like, I really feel like if we focus on, on spending that time with Christ you know, on a daily basis, studying and praying that he will give us that love. Definitely. And coming back also on that, I think as we were saying, talking about prayer earlier, yeah. prayer is so important for that. If we pray and we ask God with fervor to really put His love in our hearts, right. He can do it. It's a miracle, but He can do it. We cannot do it by our, on our own. And also, um, Ellen White says how it, it would be so important if we each could, um, all of us could each day spend I think it's at least an hour just mm -hmm. contemplating Christ and His life and His suffering on the cross for us, which is the most amazing, um, which is the evidence of His unconditional mm -hmm. love for us. Mm -hmm. How much more could we be able to love others as well as Christ loves us? And doesn't Paul mention a verse where he says that the love of God will be shed abroad in your hearts? It's not mm -hmm. our love. It's God's love, and that's unconditional. I think that's, that's really important, that it's mm -hmm. God's love. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I, sometimes I hear a lot of people that say, I love you all. <laughs> and, and I sometimes wonder, do you love me, or do you just say that? Like because you love. really don't know me. If yeah. you were to know me, and if you were to know what are the flaws that I have, would you still love me? Or mm. is this just a phrase that we're saying? I had a roommate okay. who'd end every conversation with, love you. And um, I was like, do you really love everybody? Um, or do you just, sometimes you're so disconnected with people. We're not mm. actively involved in their life that it's easy to speak about love, mm. but very hard to do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. We don't want to spend the time with people. We don't want to, we just want to say the words and we feel mm. good about our Christian speech, mm -hmm. but not our Christian behavior. That's right. And I find that that's kind of the struggling point where we would, where it would be great, what are the conversations that we can continue from here, how we become more and more like that, where we actually do love rather than just speaking about love. Yes. Thank you so much for all your contributions, the amazing insight that you've shared. And this is a starting point for a whole set of new questions of how can we actively portray love mm -hmm. rather than just speaking about it. Speaking is the first part. Doing mm -hmm. it is the real thing. It's for the head and for the heart. Yeah. So, if you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, 
bibleschool.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation, and as we just said, it's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Michael Mueller. We'll see you next week.